On this edition of FedGov Today with Francis Rose, privacy and security in the metaverse and a veteran voice in a new job at NGA. It's Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. Welcome to FedGov Today with Francis Rose. Today, more coverage from GeoInt in St. Louis last week. Today's podcast and this Sunday's FedGov Today television show feature great leaders from government and industry that I talked to at GeoInt. The Deputy Director of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, Tanya Wilkerson, will join me on TV this Sunday. And you can find this past Thursday's podcast from GeoInt and all FedGov Today podcasts and TV shows on demand at FedGovToday.com. Technology isn't the only aspect of the metaverse government leaders are strategizing for. Personal privacy and personal security are important considerations for government leaders, too. Dan Opstel is acting director of the National Civil Applications Center at the U.S. Geological Survey. He hosted a panel about privacy and security in the metaverse. At GeoInt 2023, Dan tells me about the intersection of his work at USGS and the metaverse. My own organization deals with oversight. We've been for many, many years dealing with the oversight of federal civil use of DOD and Intel community remote sensing. And lately, that includes commercial remote sensing opportunities, right, from from the Commercial Systems Program Office at NRO and other data sets that are um, acquired through requirements we put in to NGA. And so um, the theme here is really, what do we get out of the metaverse, right? So what um, what data can we can we view? What what data does the metaverse ingest about us, right? And I think that was some of the themes that came out from the panelists about um, kind of the the legal side of that, like how much information, right? So so there was some discussion about uh, the uh, the way that we in the United States do privacy and the way that other areas and do privacy. For example, Europe's got something called the uh, the GDPR, right, which does um, uh, basically privacy protections that, that are fairly robust, right? They include something called the right to be forgotten, which, you know, around here, when you have all these millions of data points about you, it's almost, you, you could, it might be even inconceivable that you could be that off the grid, right? So, so privacy and oversight, from my perspective, is about, you know, remote sensing data and making sure that it's all right that we image in the right places and that kind of thing. Well, in the metaverse, in a 3D universe with many more data elements, that starts to take on a whole new conceptual framework. And I think that's really what the message was. Get ready. There's more data coming. We're, we're creating more data. We're building out the concepts. We're um, bringing in new areas of, of sort of exploration, right? We're also going to the moon and looking at that, those areas. The director talked about that today on the director of NGA talked about that as part of his presentation. So I think that's the main idea. We're, we're, heading, we're he- heading towards the metaverse yeah. and how that actually all plays out and the comfort level. And I think that's what the design thinker was trying to say. The comfort level with that is going to be very interesting to see how those dynamics change because it's going to be intimidating to many people. What does the metaverse mean to the U.S. Geological Survey, and what are the ways that you expect it to impact the mission of your organization? Yeah, so the USGS uh, is a incredibly large life sciences, geology uh, organization, all right? And it, it does science across multiple spectra, right, of boundaries. Um, it works on the economic side. It works with algal blooms. It studies different ecosystems. There's six mission areas, you know. So it's a it's a very diverse place. 
The metaverse provides an opportunity to visualize a lot of the data that we already collect in a brand new way. So I, I'm just thinking about like the stream gauges that, that are out there that the USGS is, is known for, right? Already, you can get that kind of data in machine learning programs and AI to study and understand, well, here, here's where the streams are, are overflowing. You know, this is obviously a great place to kayak. This is maybe not such a great place to kayak, right? So adding all of that geospatial data, the, the, the data from like our National Geospatial Program and from our program, the National Land Imaging Program that I fall under that works on Landsat data, we're moving now into uh, into this idea of what I almost conceive of like a um, um, a VR mask on everyone, except it won't be a big VR honking VR mask. It'll be like a tiny little heads-up display that maybe can immerse you in a I don't know, an almost like a uh, um, um, a, a digital um, uh, waterfall of data, right? And so the way I think about it is, it's an evolution from something actually that a counterpart of our uh, organization, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration did. They built something called Science on a Sphere, and it uses Landsat data, and you can, it uses all these different cameras, and you can actually play, and, and you can go to certain NASA visitor centers and such and see the Science on a Sphere. Now you're going to almost have that Science on a Sphere with all the data that it encompasses, in, in your um, in, in your heads up display on your in your uh, maybe even on your sunglasses right maybe we'll get to that point yeah. maybe we'll be able to immerse ourselves it's going to be a quite the wild ride you mentioned uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence a lot of discussion about those technologies at this show what are some of the other things that underpin the ability to do the things that you've just described yeah and that's a great question. It's about the data, yeah. right? So there's gonna have to be tons and tons of data, and that's gonna be the big challenge, you know, from a data and privacy side of the house, is because you you will you're gonna have to have the the three dimensional data that that uh, that needs to be collected, and you're gonna have to collect it from from airborne means, from spaceborne means. It's gonna be a whole new way to view the world, right? And the, you've heard this this concept, right? The digital twin. Mm -hmm. That's what it's gonna take. It's gonna be a really interesting evolution to build out more of the data and then to do so though respectfully of, of, of people's uh, you know privacy and liberty and those types of considerations. So what do organizations have to do to be good at the metaverse for lack of a better term? Or, or do we not know yet? Or is it early enough in, in kind of the development and evolution of, of the concept of the metaverse that we're still learning that? I really think we're still learning what all of these metaverse components are going to be. It, it's a, uh, it, it's such an evolving and dynamic field. I mean, you can think three dimensions, but when we were up on the stage, one of the panelists was talking about, well, is the metaverse including my bio biometric data, right? That's a whole other step that I don't think we've fully gotten with, right? I, I think um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, but you know, that's very different from visualizing natural hazards, right, and getting that data than, than visualizing yourself in that location as well with all that information coming at you. I think we're still learning. I think it's, uh, it's an evolving process. We have tons and tons of data that we're able to, uh, to see. I was just sitting across having lunch, and I saw, saw somebody's name badge, Cloud Geographer. So I'm just a regular geographer. <laughs> What's a cloud geographer, right? And so that's the world we're starting to live in. Cloud, AI, ML, all these technologies require data that is validated, standardized, can be ingested, and it's going to be a whole ton of that information. And then how quickly do you want it refreshed, right, to really understand the world around you? There's a whole lot of collaboration possible here, and you've already described some of it, what some other agencies are doing and, and how you're interacting with them. 
is collaborating in or collaborating on the metaverse going to work differently or succeed differently, do you think, than other kinds of collaboration? I think there'll be aspects of what we've done before that, have wor that work really well. That, uh, that we'll continue to do. There continue to be issues of ge what I call geospatial issues of common concern, right? So we're gonna all need to work together on how do we task, right? How do we get the data ingested? But then there will be some new concerns undoubtedly about you know how much information are we allowed to have, right? Back to that biometric piece, if that's in fact where, where this whole world ends up, right? So, um, but certainly understanding the world around us, especially hazards, I think is a, uh, is a, is a huge area where um, there'll be very much interest, right? It's uh, you know, understanding if you're in a wildfire prone area, what those atmospherics are, right? What, uh, what information we can get so that we, uh, um, we know, for example, how to get out of a particular area, right? So uh, I think it was uh, one of our partner organizations, FEMA, they have a, a program where, they, uh, where they're doing some visualization, right? Some, uh, some 3D rendering, if you will, of how to evacuate appropriately right those kinds of things are going to be extremely valuable you see that in the Defense Department too a lot of 3d evolution and testing and I think if we can learn those lessons from each other so that's the part that I think we're gonna we're gonna collaborate uh, very closely on the legal frameworks and some of the guidelines that come with that I think those might be a little bit more challenging Dan Opstel of USGS GeoInt 2023. You can read more about the conference and the metaverse in today's show notes at fedgovtoday.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of FedGov Today. Act IAC's Health Innovation Summit's coming Thursday, June 8th in Reston. That's next Thursday. Speakers include the Chief Information Officer at HHS, Carl Mathias, Dr. Carolyn Clancy of the Department of Veterans Affairs, and many more leaders from across the government health IT community. You can read more about the event, find a link to register at fedgovtoday.com slash events. The chief information officer at NGA is new to the job, but he's not new to the agency. Mark Chatelain's only been the CIO there since February, but he's been at NGA since before it was NGA. At GeoInt 2023, I ask him how his tenure there informs the way he leads the technology shop. Well, I got introduced to NGA or DMA at the time in 1986. I answered an ad in the Dallas Morning News, are you interested in math? But that's all I would say. So I sent my resume in, I got selected for a job, but they wouldn't tell me where I'd be working or what I'd be doing. It took two years for the clearance process and found out that I would be working with the Defense Mapping Agency. And so, again, it was, it was exciting to be able to go through and do that. So I've really been working in this environment for uh, close to 40 years. And uh, it's prepared me, every step of the way has prepared me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, I first started out developing algorithms for processing satellite imagery couldn't say anything about satellite imagery or even what an algorithm was at that point in time. Things have changed. Uh, we've become more open uh, with the advent of commercial imagery. Um, it has created the opportunity for us to bring things out in the open and share things. Uh, we just got out of the director's speech here at GeoInt and he talked a lot about the various uh, things that have happened around the world in the last year and everything we can share with commercial imagery. And so it's fascinating to see where it's going. One of the themes here is uh, maps to metaverse. And it strikes me, you've seen all of that in your tenure at NGA, at DMA first and then NGA. What's the implication for that on the technology that the organization's using internally and the way that it's interacting with its partners outside the agency? So maps require a printing press to be able to produce a map. 
or a somewhat unsophisticated computer to be able to display a map. When you start talking about the metaverse and immersive AI, uh, you think of virtual reality and being able to step into a scene to navigate through a street. It's going to require a huge computational capability. But not only that, it's going to require a mobile communication or computation capability because again you can't have it reaching back into a huge computer system or something like that so it has to be fairly mobile and the display capability so there's all kinds of different aspects of technology that are going to have to either be invented or perfected based on where we're at today you're in a pretty fascinating place in my view technologically because you're your dot mill organization you're part of the intelligence community and so I imagine that you have some of the same IT priorities as other organizations across DOD and in the civilian sector, but then also some that are kind of unique to, to what your organization does. Uh, that's exactly right. So again, we share a very major role of providing IT with our defense intelligence agency partners. And again, we, we share that capability, we co-develop the systems that we use and then we deploy them to all of our analysts across the board. Mm -hmm. and so that's one good way of sharing things. We only have, we also have our unique ways. Uh, imagery data takes up a lot of space and we have built out data centers but we don't have any more space for data centers. We're using the cloud, uh, specifically Amazon Web Services cloud right now. We're going to venture into using all of the different cloud capabilities that are out there to store data and to be able to retrieve data. How do you go about parsing the data to decide that you need to keep it all? Because I imagine with the, the just tons of collection that you must do, there probably comes a period of time where you say, well we just, even in the cloud, it doesn't make sense to keep everything. Or do you have to keep everything? Exactly, we have to keep everything. Wow. Um, we are required by NARA, the National Archives uh, that the United States have. By federal law, we have to keep everything we collect for 30 years. And then after 30 years, if it's unclassified, we can ship it to NARA and they can store it in their archives mm. for eternity. Mm. Um, that's a lot of data. Right now, we bring in about 15 terabytes a day of data, which is huge. Yeah. Um, in the next seven years, it's gonna to grow to 250 terabytes per day. Um, and again, we have to store all that yeah. forever. Unless it's 95% cloud covered, we don't have to. But then again, that one little piece you're looking for is in that 5% that's uncloud covered. So we end up by storing everything all the time, forever. What does that mean for the way that you are building an IT strategy across your agency? I mean, because you have to do the back office stuff too, I, under, I imagine. And then you have to build this strategy that also encompasses the kind of just massive data storage that you just described. That's exactly it. We're very dependent on our cloud partners to be able to help us provide that and provide it economically. Again, we, we'll, we'll run out of real estate when we mm -hmm. have to store, you know, petabytes and petabytes of information. Um, and so, again, our cloud partners are working very cooperatively with us in how to store things. And we store things in Glacier, which is kind of cold storage, if you will. And then we store things in Deep Glacier. They could take five to ten days to pull out. Mm -hmm. But again, we don't do that very often. And so that's one way of reducing our costs, and we can do that. What Other than cloud and the massive storage capabilities that you just described, and 
the data analysis that goes along with what you just described. What are the other priorities that you have technologically at NGA? Um, so right now our analysts, they will have a thick client, think of a big computer box sitting underneath their desk and they do their work on that computer box. If they want to go down the hall and collaborate with another analyst, they can't do it because everything is right there on that little box underneath their desk. So my intention over the next couple of years is to virtualize that experience and to be able to put that computing system back in our data centers or in the cloud so that the analyst, whether he's in St. Louis, whether he's down in Tampa, or whether she is in uh, the Springfield area, they can actually go bring up the data that they're working on and do their mission. Is that virtualization experience similar to commonly used virtualization experiences across government, or is there something peculiar to what NGA does that will require you to build it a little differently? It's similar to what is being done across the um, the world, if you will, except imagery is very, very intense from a data size standpoint, and our analysts really care about how that imagery looks on the screen. They want to be able to scroll it across the screen without it jumping. They want to be able to zoom in fast, and so we've got to provide what they call graphics processor units along with the computing processor units in the data center to be able to give them that um, capability that they really need to have. What's over the horizon technologically that your analysts will use that you have to be preparing for now? Maybe the capability doesn't exist today, but it's something that you know is coming and there'll be a demand signal from your analysts you want to be able to accommodate. So we've already gotten a demand signal for something called chat GPT or yeah. some type of AI things. I think that's the next thing that I'm looking for. And it's not so much a technology issue as it is a cyber issue. And again, I'm really concerned about the cyber uh, potential, uh, the cyber invasion potential with something like chat GPT or other types of AI algorithms that do that language processing and then release it back to you in creating types of things. I can see our analysts using that when they want to write reports in the future and things like that. But again, we got to make sure it's cyber secure before we put it into our systems. Mark Chatelaine of NGA at GeoInt 2023. You can read more about the tech Mark talked about in today's show notes at fedgovtoday.com. The FedGov Today podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. You can follow the show on any of those platforms so you don't miss the next episode of FedGov Today with Francis Rose coming Thursday. Hope you'll join me then. Thanks very much for listening.